As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Show and our latest batch of listener questions. On today's show, we're looking at the differences between a league and a cup, and it's not as simple as you think. We're considering the best departures of the season, and we're comparing soccer teams to major restaurant chains. Hope you're hungry. My name's Ryan Bailey. Joining me today, a man who knows it's always a great sign when your national team has to hire two consecutive interim coaches. Taylor Rockwell, howdy doody. Uh, I'm doing great, man. Yeah, that, uh, that was a big old huh yesterday when Joe and I found that out uh, in the middle of recording or near the end of recording. Uh, and I don't think either one of us really had much to say about it because the interim manager being replaced by a different interim manager doesn't quite move the needle so much uh, mm. other than to, it seems, infuriate uh, a large segment of Twitter. Just interim to the interim manager, is it? Yes, through? Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Yeah. It just feels like a slight layer of bureaucracy has been revealed, uh, which is very fun indeed. It's the Dwight Schrute of uh, USMT positions, I think. Yeah. <laughs> very much so. Let's put his uh, state for in a jello. Joining us today, a man who's upped his screen time to 25 hours a day because there's a grand slam on Graham Ruthven. Bonjour. Hello, Ryan Bailey. I can't do accents and I can't do pronunciations as I demonstrate in every weekend review and basically every episode of this podcast that I do. But uh, yeah, bonjour to you, Ryan. Is that your, okay? um, your Scottish accent has gotten really good. <laughs> yeah, I've been perfecting yeah. it over 31 years. You've just reminded me of The Simpsons where groundskeeper Willie's doing the French lessons because they have to cut the budget and he's going, bonjour. <laughs> anyway. Yeah. Really uh, roll those R's. <laughs> Joining us, a man who would uh, only love Roland Garros if it was a French winger who had great production in zones 13 and 14. Joe Lowry, <laughs> any idea what I'm talking about here? Because I've not. Uh, sorry, who was that name? What was that that you just said? Yeah, is that a okay. oh, wow. person that okay. I'm supposed to know? Yeah, I thought I thought this might stumble you. So the French Open in tennis is also known as Roland Boo. Garros. Boo, who was tennis. A, uh, a pilot, I believe. Not even Wrong a tennis sport. Player. Find a different podcast. No, usually it's Taylor that makes fun of the tennis tennis chat. Easy for me to say. I actually enjoy watching tennis. I just don't and don't know any of the people. So I'm happy to learn more about the French Open, Ryan. Anytime you want to chat about it, let's let's talk clay, baby. Let's do it. Ryan, did you you catch Gil Monfils last night? Uh, No, monsieur. 
Right, so Joe, watch Gail Monfils. He is like the like a Brazilian winger tennis player. He's okay, very entertaining. I, I know I just said I don't know anything about tennis. Genuinely, <laughs> someone just yesterday was telling me about Gail Monfils, and I had forgotten the name until you just said that. This is like some weird tennis sign from my Wait, life. Did that I think. actually Maybe, happen? That's a bit. I'm being 100 percent serious. I mean, 100 percent serious. Maybe. Maybe we should be the total tennis show. I think that's what we're Taylor, here. Taylor is hanging his head now in excitement. TTS, baby! Huh. What? TTS! Sorry, I'll sleep. What? what happened? Sorry. The spin-off is coming. Uh, I the- did have a pronunciation question. Do you, mean, I, you all said a word in there I wasn't familiar with. D- tennis? What is that? <laughs> um, it's like it, um, paddle uh, ball or whatever that's called. Oh, pickleball. Pickle Got it. Okay, cool. Perfect. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The world sport. In. Yeah. It's a thing that middle-class people do to pass the time, Taylor, is the uh, short answer there. (laughs) Hello, Um, that's me. Yeah, there we are, there we are. Uh, Joe, I hope you're happy with me teeing you up with that Roland Garros line because I actually had to look up what zones 13 and 14 were. I did channel my inner Pep Guardiola to make that joke work, so I hope it Great work. Ryan, I'm very proud of you. Um, You've looked at diagrams, you've looked at dotted lines. I'm good, good job. Have I ever heard Joe talk about Zone 13 before? I feel like I've only ever heard Joe talk about Zone 14. Yeah, I assume Zone 13 is like just one to the right of Zone 14, but I actually don't really know where Zone not, 13 it, is. It's like hotels. You, you skip out 13. You know how there's not a 13th floor in a hotel? There's not actually a Zone 13. Zone 12, Zone 14, Zone 15. Yeah, Graham, you're right. You're right. Yeah. All fun and games. Patreon.com slash Total Soccer Show if you want to hear TTS, our new tennis spin-off. We'll be doing an hour-long special on Roland Garros, which Joe is going to lead. I'm actually in. To- yeah. Sign I- me up. We haven't <laughs> talked about what the Patreon is going to be today, as far as I know. Uh, I suspect it might be me and Graham fighting over Ted Lasso, which seems to oh, have yeah. uh, started in the group chat. We'll see if it spills over onto Patreon. I've got The Guardian on my site. No spoilers, but we maybe will discuss that. And Graham's hatred of fun yeah. and positivity. Joy. So mm-hmm. well, yeah. we'll get to that. We'll get to that in the uh, Patreon. In the meantime, plenty of listener questions to get to. This one from Bill Shakespeare, whose name I've just understood is possibly a reference to a famous writer from the 16th century. What is the definition of a league versus you just the definition? That, Ryan? Are you doing okay? <laughs> Yeah, I I didn't read the thought name, it was I a guess. reference. Ryan to the... picks the questions as well, just so that everybody's <laughs> on board with that idea. He's had he multiple chances. To the former to read Leicester this. manager Shakespeare, right? Craig Shakespeare. That's oh, Craig yeah. Shakespeare. Yeah. Uh, yeah, Craig, also known as Bill Shakespeare. They're <laughs> <laughs> mm, brothers. Mm. Quite the wordsmith is this question asker. See, good words. Will would be proud. What's oh, the boy. definition of oh, a league boy. versus the definition of a cup competition? What's the definition of a league versus the definition of a cup competition? What's the difference between the two? Is the Champions League a league or a cup? Is the MLS season just one big cup competition? What makes that league's cup in that case? Do any words have meaning? Asks William Shakespeare in our uh, listener questions here. Now, now Graham... This seemed very simple. When I first saw this question, I didn't see the name, obviously, but I thought a league's, you know, the long thing that everyone plays and they get a trophy at the end and a cup is like a knockout thing. But wait, the Champions League is a cup and it's got a league element to it. MLS is a league that has a cup at the end of it. And then I thought, do we do we define it by time period? Because maybe a cup's shorter and it runs concurrently with the league. But no, the Coupe de France runs for eleven months. It's longer than a league. Graham, I, I I'm starting to think that words do not indeed have any meaning. So I would consider a league to be a competition where every team plays a set number of fixtures and is typically part of like a bigger pyramid. And obviously, there's promotion and relegation between different tiers of the pyramid. Whereas a cup competition which you kind of referenced there, Ryan, is is generally like a knockout format. So you don't you enter a cup competition, you don't know how many games you're actually going to play. You need to keep winning to keep 
on the pitch. They keep playing matches. As you say, the Champions League is a weird one because obviously the group stage is essentially a league structure because you know you're going to play six fixtures in a group stage. And then you have the latter rounds, which are are, are knockouts. So it is a, a hybrid of the two. For me, MLS, the MLS regular season is a league followed by a cup because playoffs are essentially a cup competition where teams qualify through the league. I believe League's Cup, although correct me if I'm wrong on this because um, I'm not entirely clear in the format, but I think it's the same as the Champions League with a group stage, which yep. is essentially, as I say, a mini league followed by a cup competition. So let's look at the Champions League. The Champions League back when it was the, the European Cup, it was a straight knockout competition, which which was surely complete chaos. Um, and I personally would love the Champions League to be a true cup competition again. But basically, Europe's biggest clubs realised that they could be playing more matches against each other and they could be ma- making more money by doing that. So the hybrid model is essentially there to provide a bit more security without going kind of full European Super League. But I would still consider the Champions League, even though it is a hybrid and you can make an argument for both, it's a cup for me because the most consequential matches in the Champions League are knockout matches. I'm not satisfied with your answer, Graham, because basically you're saying most competitions are hybrids then, right? So the MLS isn't a league because it's a hybrid and Champions League isn't a cup because it's a hybrid. Well, no, because MLS is an, is an exception, right? So I can't think like Belgium does a weird thing with their league and Scotland actually does a weird thing with their league, but they're still getting split into two leagues, whereas MLS has playoffs for the whole. Like I know the championship has playoffs, but it's like a cup competition to settle the third promotion spot rather than who wins the actual title. So I think most leagues le- most leagues are leagues and <laughs> some cups are also leagues. <laughs> who knows? I, I hope there is not a single new soccer fan listening to this part of this episode because this <laughs> makes soccer look so stupid. Like this is so, it's complicated. Like it, it really is complicated. Graham, I, I agree with the, the way you've gone here. For me, a cup, I like that I have to say for me because it's, it's not entirely clear. <laughs> Here, a cup is mostly something with a knockout round, like some sort of March Madness style single or double elimination competition. I would say MLS, the regular season, Major League Soccer is absolutely a league. The regular season is is very much in a league format. It then ends, the year ends with a cup competition, MLS Cup playoffs. It's elimination. You know, I guess in that case, it's it is double elimination because you're playing best of three series. I mean. The, the real root of this question is there's so many competitions and they've taken on so many formats. And we talked about the Champions League, which is sort of part league, part cup. I, I think it falls into the idea of a cup because it ends with that single elimination style. But the reality is like soccer is just continuing to add more and more games that the lines are getting blurred further and further. We're going to see the Champions League change format you know, very, very soon here with the Swiss format, which is going to be much more of a league table that That's then goes from madness. that into a not. I mean, it's like we're seeing all these things morph together and and kind of look the same because everybody just wants to play more games. Like that was the change with the Champions League a while ago. They're going to change it to be even more like a league format so there are more games, which is what you get with a league format. It's it's complicated. There's a lot of soccer. It's never going to stop. It's only going to continue to grow and get more and more confusing. Hmm. Taylor, I suppose if we look at the etymology of it, with the European Cup as an example, it was, as Graham said, a, a straight knockout competition when it was called a European Cup. And then the Champions League happens and it gets a league element introduced into it. So at least we can see the logic there, right? I mean, I think you've just sort of answered the question in my mind is that the European Cup already existed, uh, but that's for European national teams. And I'm guessing when they rebranded uh, away from 
uh, or into the Champions League. I think they just wanted to make it clear that they were distinct categories. I doubt it was in reference to the Champions Cup, which is apparently a fast-pitch softball tournament in the United States. I doubt that's what they were trying to distinguish from. You never know. But I think that's pretty much it. It's just that they needed a name that maybe made clear what it was going to be, even if that made it less clear at the same time. But yeah, I think anything where you're sort of involving knockout rounds is going to be a cup competition. I think the playoff structure does sort of confound things a little bit, but maybe if we remove that from the equation, it's a little bit more straightforward of elimination competition with uneven number of fixtures, as Graham said, equals cup. Uh, Not elimination competition where everybody plays each other at least once, usually twice, uh, more of a league. Would we all like the Champions League? This is never going to happen, by the way, but would we all be in favor of changing it back to like a cup knockout format or is yes. that or is that just me i feel like i feel like joe maybe isn't i feel like joe is pro league as long so my, my distinction here graham in some ways being pro league is we have to be clear about what we're achieving here i think march madness and any any tournament with that style of single elimination straight up cup you get this in in uh, you know cups throughout different football associations that is peak entertainment like if you want to be entertained that's the way to do it but we can't claim that you get to the end of the knockout competition and the best team wins every time. Like if if we're but trying we to explain that with away, Champions League anyway. Uh, no, not- no, you can't. You get you can't do that, right? I mean, even sometimes with leagues, like the best team doesn't end up winning, which is crazy. Like Leicester was not the most talented or best team the year they won the title in the Premier League. Like you can go through and, and pick these things apart. So if we want entertainment, I'm all about that, and I, I would really enjoy watching that. I will just sort of bristle a little bit at the at the conversations that would come along with that format because. Everybody would try to explain away how, I don't know, who's a club, Frankfurt, made it all the way to the end of the Champions League and won that thing, when really they they probably just got a little bit lucky along the way. So I'm down. I'm down. We just got to be clear here. Europa League straight knockout from the start. Who says no? Not me. Not me. Not me. I've I'm won. into it. And the only thing, I think for the Europa League, I think especially for the Champions League, I wouldn't love that because you're going to always get Man City and Real Madrid against some minnows where it doesn't feel fair but oftentimes in the Europa League, we get larger teams who don't really want to be there. So if, if a team that doesn't really want to be in the Europa League comes up against a smaller team, then uh, the bigger team can go home and the knockout competition works. All right. So maybe the best answer for Bill Shakespeare here is just don't worry about it. Just, <laughs> yeah. just a couple of league. It's fine. Just enjoy I think, the ride. I think from, from my understanding, I think a, it, it is very confusing for people who are trying to get into the sport when you have, I mean, if you're looking at England for a moment, if you have next year in Newcastle, let's say you've decided to be a Newcastle fan, you're going to have the Premier League, you're going to have the Champions League, you're going to have the FA Cup, and you're going to have the League's Cup, or League Cup all, not the League's Cup, that's a different thing, League Cup, all in one season. It is odd to have four simultaneous competitions of with which feature different teams from different like countries or different standards of competitions it does get confusing really quickly ultimately it's there's a regular season and then there are some cup competitions uh if you go far in them i saw someone on twitter earlier this week and i can't remember who it was i'd give them credit if i could remember they came up with a solution for the english league cup the caribou cup which i i think works Essentially, the European teams, the teams that qualify for Europe every season, don't play the Carabao Cup. I think that works. Like, I think the European teams are quite happy with that. They're quite happy to have the extra rest time, not playing that, that competition. And then the other clubs that are, who are traditionally going to be kind of a second, you know, lower in the ladder in the Premier League, they're going to have more incentive to play their, their best teams in a cup that they actually have a chance of winning. I like that. I think that sorts the League Cup. Hmm. How dare you take away half of Pep Guardiola's trophies, Graham? 
<laughs> You'll find yeah, others. Graham, when we're talking about a competition that exists primarily because floodlights exist, and that is the major reason why they started having that competition, I'm not sure that needs to be as celebrated as much these days. So I Also like to sell idea. energy drinks. Also that too, yes. That no one can ever find in a shop. I don't think no. I've ever seen a can of caribou. Never, yeah, yeah. I've never seen or tasted or um, smelt or touched. Or heard one. Anyway, that's all the senses covered. Uh, Bill Shakespeare, thank you very much for this question. The immortal bard. I actually went to see my daughter perform in The Tempest earlier today, and I didn't even make the connection between uh, that and this. Let's take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to talk Balogun. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime day or night. Yep, you heard it right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask me. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This episode is supported by FX's Welcome to Wrexham. Celebrity owners Rob McElhenney and Ryan Reynolds' small-town Welsh football club has finally been promoted into League Two after 15 seasons in the National League. Dedicated staff and supporters celebrate the team's return to glory while bracing for the newfound challenges that come with being in a higher league. Will Wrexham AFC stand up to the challenge and rise again into League One? FX is welcome to Wrexham. All new Thursdays on FX. Stream on Hulu. Total Soccer Show, welcome back to our listener questions. Ben Sundstrom has been in touch. Hello, Ben. A player of Balogun's calibre electing to represent the United States is new for this team. There have been many dual nationals on his part, or better, that have chosen to play for teams other than the Stars and Stripes. If you could use the way, way back machine, like it, to convince one player to choose uh, that chose the other guys to change their decision, who would you each pick? Are you deciding based on their immediate impact or lasting impression on US soccer. Taylor Rockwell, I'm going to come to you for the Way Way Back Machine, which we're calling it now. Yeah, uh, I like the Way Way Back Machine. Uh, I found this a tricky question because there are a number of dual nationals who have chosen to play for other countries. I would argue not that many of them have been that sizable it's not as though Kylian Mbappe could have played for the United States and chose not to or Erling Haaland we haven't had that level necessarily there have been a few notable ones uh one of whom is more emotional but I think if we're going with who's a player that was eligible to play for the United States I still have yet to figure out how exactly he was eligible it always gets mentioned but never clarified Joe is smiling and Graham is nodding because I'm guessing we've all got the same one have we all gone Trent Alexander-Arnold of course yep he's he's the only correct answer to this question (laughs) yep Eligible via his grandmother, even though the Wikipedia article is his grandmother moved to the United States and married an American, I believe. It, so I so, guess maybe so from what I, what I found, Taylor, and I've read a lot of that as well. So apparently his mother, TAA's mother, was born in the U.S., there obviously to his grandmother. The grandmother, you know, dating Sir Alex Ferguson at one point in time, which yeah. is obviously yeah. the, the best gem in all this stuff. But continue, please. Wait, I didn't know that uh, one. Yeah, know yeah. That. That's in there. That's in there as well. Yeah. I just, uh, we, can, we can go deeper on that. Uh, but Joe, <laughs> I, I, I think it's right. because the way the sure. Wikipedia article is written <laughs> is as though 
like after Trent Alexander Arnold was born, his mother or grandmother just moved off yeah. to the United States and married an American. So, it, but it does sound for a moment like okay, so he's got like a step grandpa who's an American. <laughs> uh, but yeah, that one does make more sense. So I think in terms of immediate impact, and I think it would be a pretty sizable thing that at the time a player who was breaking through and became this uh, huge part of a very successful Liverpool side would have played for the United States. I think that would have been a difference maker for sure. Yeah, he, he's just hands down the best player that, that's even in these discussions. And he was never really in the discussion, right? No. I mean, he was always going to play for England. He w- the U.S. wasn't close on Trent Alexander-Arnold, and I don't even think it had it come out that he was eligible for the U.S. until well after he was already like deep in the England setup. So I don't think that was ever going to happen. But if you're talking about impact, and honestly, I don't really think any of these players would have lasting impressions on U.S. soccer. I don't. There aren't very many of those folks that have done that throughout the history of the U.S. men's national team. But if we're talking about a player that's going to make the U.S. better right away, that's Trent Alexander-Arnold. You can play him at right back. You can play him in midfield. He's he's a player that you know should be in and around the England setup every single camp, and, and certainly has his issues, but is phenomenal on the ball. Brings so much to the team. He is easily the right answer to this one. I love the uh, Sir Alex Ferguson in fact that his grandmother dated Sir Alex Ferguson. I love Graham assuming that if your grandmother dates a Scotsman, they are uh, eligible for the uh, national team. That's, I think, I that's, think that's, when they're that's what happens. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the, other, the other answer on a more personal note would be Giuseppe Rossi, uh, who yeah. obviously chose to play for Italy and then doesn't really have a huge impact. It has, I think, a few appearances for Italy, including one against the United States. Uh, but it is, is obviously his career is cut short by injury. He has multiple. And so, again, we're not talking about a player who went on to be a Serie A legend and an Italian legend and could have played for the United States. But I remember at the time the feeling of, like, it's not embarrassment, but I don't know how else to explain it other than just like when you really care about the U.S. national team and you want everyone to take it seriously, for a player to be like, no, I was never, ever playing for the USA. I was always playing for Italy. And for everyone to be like, yeah, no, that totally makes sense. It's it's just a reality check and a fair reality check at that. And it's something Joe and I have talked about previously. I've talked about with Paul Tenorio. I don't begrudge any dual national for choosing to play for any national team that they want to. I, it's a choice that I have certainly never had to make, but also... If I were that good, I would have played for the U.S. That's the only one I'm eligible for. I don't know what it's like to have multiple identities and multiple experiences like that. So I don't begrudge anyone, but Giuseppe Rossi was the one that felt like I think a lot of people my age still have a slightly negative feeling towards Rossi because he chose Italy, which, again, was consensus at the time. I do wonder how it would go over now with Italy not going to World Cups and such, the U.S. also missing out on one, to be fair. But I I, I think I wonder how much more clear cut of a decision it would be this time around if it were just competition as opposed to he felt like he was Italian from birth, which is what he's always said. Rossi actually had a slightly better career than I expected before I did some research on this. And obviously context is key. When he breaks through at Manchester United, everyone thinks he's the next big thing. He's going to be the next great European striker. And that certainly wasn't the case over the course of his career. But he still gets 30 caps for Italy, Mm -hmm. which is, is, you know, a decent number. You're looking at his his career statistics and he, you know, he obviously played a little bit for Manchester United, but then he goes to Villarreal, very successful at Villarreal, relatively successful for Fiorentina, 13-14, he scores 16 league goals in 21 games, 93 league goals in 258 games over the course of his career. And I think obviously the argument with him is obviously that he should have played more than 258 games over the course of his career. But when he did get on the pitch, he, he, um, 
Yeah, he was more productive than I would have guessed before re- researching for this question. So I think Rossi is still a legitimate answer to this question. I think he improves that that US team if he'd yeah. you know been available. I think One, Graham, I'm I'm glad. Sorry, Joe. I'm glad you went over those those that history really quickly because I think that is also part of it. For me, a Manchester United fan, there was a feeling. I, again, never am I going to play for Manchester United at any point in my life. No, uh, but there's. I think for a lot of Americans, there's always that like, but you never know. Uh, and so I think. When there was an American who did break through, uh, uh, as, uh, which Rossi did, Tim Howard, goalkeeper, not quite uh, at the same at that point, at least. Uh, but like Rossi, it was like, oh, there's an American there. And then that he was publicly like, oh, no, I'm not American. I'm playing for Italy. I think it, like that part of it also factored in, if that makes any sense. So I'm glad you, you bring that up because I do also forget that he had more successes. Uh, and 30 caps for Italy is no small feat. But I, I think... I don't know if he would have been the lights out difference maker for the United States over that same period of time. First of all, RSL erasure and not listing them with his clubs, Giuseppe Rossi. That's the first thing. The second thing is <laughs> he scored Tom- one goal. <laughs> Graham, Graham, enough. I've had enough. Um, the, the other answer is, is Thomas Delaney. Like that, that for me is the next yeah, option after list. Alexander Arnold eligible through the U S through his grandfather. A very good player for Denmark played at big clubs in Germany, Sevilla, like this, this guy has a legitimate pedigree, I think would bring real quality to the U.S.'s midfield. Over, I mean, Rossi definitely had impact years. I think if you're looking for consistency and, and, and another option to play the ball through midfield, Delaney is another one that would be a really useful figure or would have been a really useful one for the U.S. Not Trent Alexander-Arnold level of impact, but still a very, very talented soccer player. Yeah, the original member of the Sounds Irish, but isn't club, which is now also <laughs> occupied by uh, Alexis McAllister. <laughs> very nice Graham anything else on your list to add to this yes this might be a little bit of recency bias but I think there's a strong argument for Jonathan David um, we've obviously oh, yeah. spoken about Jonathan David Good before call. born in Brooklyn a number nine so obviously um, Ben's question has that little bit in the end about whether we're deciding on immediate impact or lasting impression I think Jonathan David's only 23 so we can't really make a judgment on lasting impression but certainly for Immediate impact, he certainly would have been helpful at the last World Cup. Um, I'm sure that Canadians are suitably hyped about Jonathan David, but in a broader sense, I'm not sure he actually gets the credit that he deserves. So he's he's had another excellent season this year. He scored 24 league goals for Lille, which puts him behind only Kylian Mbappe and, and um, Lacazette. Um, who have both had excellent seasons as well. He scored 15 goals last season, 13 the season before that. So there has been a a kind of gradual improvement. I think he's been linked with a number of Premier League clubs this summer as well. Feels like he might move on. So yeah, my answer is still Alexander-Arnold. But the context of the US being so desperate for a number nine means that Jonathan David maybe isn't too far behind Alexander-Arnold in my list. Yeah, that's a good Uh, pick, Did Jonathan David score any goals at the World Cup, Graham? Did Canada? Did they score one? <laughs> uh, but Haji Wright did, so we're doing all right. We don't need Jonathan David. We got Haji Wright. Sure. Fine. That logic, yeah, that, that works. <laughs> okay. I'm not associated uh, with Taylor. I'm not associated with Taylor. <laughs> <laughs> Graham, I'm going to put you on the spot and ask, uh, switch the country here for Scotland. Is there anyone you wish you could go back in the way, way back machine? I'm assuming yeah. a bunch of England players, maybe, who could have declared Well, Wayne Rooney is, is kind of the big one, I guess, but there was never really a question. I think Bertie Votes went down to Everton when Rooney was in their reserve team or in their youth team, had a discussion with Rooney, was essentially told very quickly to go away. Um, I think Rooney was already playing for England youth teams, but there was a genuine discussion around Aidan McGeady, and Aidan McGeady, born in Scotland, played for Celtic, decided to play for Ireland in the end, I think got a bunch of caps for Ireland, 
Um, I know laterally he hasn't really been up to much, but at, at, at a time he was a very good Premier League player. We were struggling for Premier League players for anyone of any note at that time. So McGeady was a painful one that he didn't play for Scotland. So he'd probably be my, probably be my answer. Yeah, and if you're interested for England, it's obviously Haaland. Get him at the World Cup. Win, win the competition, please. That would have been nice in the way way back machine. Uh, all right, Ben. Would you thank start you- if you had Holland? Would it be Holland and Harry Kane? Would that? Would they, I mean, there's no way you can bench Harry Kane, is there? Yes, if you had Holland. <laughs> Graham, do you bench? See, this is another debate altogether. I don't know if you do bench Kane for Holland in that England team, but maybe you do. I don't I'd know. I play. I play Kane at centre back. If I mean, you could have Holland up front, frankly. <laughs> <laughs> Better than Harry Maguire. <laughs> Indeed. Ben, thank you very much for that question. We're going to go to Guy Yadwab now. Forget the best signing of the season. Who was the best departure? Was it Yao Felix leaving Atletico Madrid? Was it Ronaldo leaving Ronaldo. Manchester United? Hmm. Was it Yao Cancelo <laughs> leaving uh, City? Or was it someone else? Joe, my, 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 my mind immediately went to, uh, thanks to recency bias, went to Weston McKenney leaving Leeds, outraged that he got on a train and went somewhere on it. Outrage, Joe. Outrage. <laughs> I did not have... Weston McKinney as my answer here, although I'm sure he is happy to be leaving Leeds after people said mean things, guys. People said mean things about Weston McKinney. That's not cool. Don't do that. Um, my my top answer, and Taylor, you already said this because it is, I think, the right answer, is Ronaldo leaving Manchester United. Very much not a useful presence in the locker room, and having him around distracting the team while they tried to build something of a culture was not helpful by all accounts. You know, Him making a big fuss on the bench, leaving games early, getting in trouble with Ten Hag, all that stuff. Like... It, I can imagine for Manchester United fans, and Taylor, you've already affirmed this with your words, it's it's good to get him out of the way. Like, getting him out was key. I think there is nothing but benefit there for Manchester United. My other answer, though, and I really like this one. It's not as good as Ronaldo, but I think it's still pretty good, is Enzo Fernandez leaving Benfica because of how much money Benfica got in that deal. 106 million pounds was massive. They just signed him for like 10 million pounds the previous summer. He goes to the World Cup, plays well, and was very good in the Portuguese top division for Benfica as well, but is like the latest example of the World Cup boost, even though I kind of thought we were done scouting that way. It seems like Chelsea Chelsea weren't. Uh, more on Chelsea later for a different question, by the way, that I'm pretty excited about. Uh, but I mean, this move, I think for Benfica was perfect business. Like you get rid of a player at their peak, a midfielder that's probably not worth 106 million pounds plus whatever salary Chelsea's paying him. I think that is like the ideal piece of transfer business. And I want to give Benfica credit for that. Very good. Taylor, where did you land on this question? I presume you uh, you gave the thumbs up to Ronaldo. Uh, yeah, his uh, thumbs up to Ronaldo and to Joe's answer. I was nodding along the whole time, but you all couldn't know that because audio. Yeah, I, th- I think just the fact that every time Ronaldo didn't play, it was a distraction. It was a point of conversation. It was a question that Ten Hag was going to be asked about in the post-match interview. And it did sort of cover a lot or not even cover it just sort of limited the success I think Eric Ten Hag was able to have and by contrast Ronaldo being moved on it it did we talked about at the time sort of solidify that this is Eric Ten Hag's club that he is in charge that it's not marketing combined with Eric Ten Hag it was it was sort of we're backing the manager uh, and what he wants or what he needs is what we're going to do to the extent we can so I, I think that was Smart. I think for Ronaldo, I guess it was a good departure in that he now makes more money than I think I can conceive of existing. So good for him, and I think good for Manchester United at the same time. Graham, any thoughts on this question? How about someone? How about a coach? How about Nathan Jones or someone like that? 
So the way I took this question was maybe a little bit different to, so Joe, for example, looked at the money, but I can't really argue that Benfica got better after Enzo Fernandez left. And that's kind of a factor in all my, all my answers. Because if I think of Ronaldo, my net get better after he leaves. Cancelo leaving City as well, that happened. Um, I think Guy might have beaten me to the punch with Yao Felix because that that is probably my departure of the season because Atleti, before he leaves, it feels like Simeone's reaching the end. There's talk of Lucho coming in to replace him. Then they sign Memphis as, a, as, as his replacement. And there's been a connection between him and Griezmann and Griezmann himself is playing with not more, a lot more freedom and Atleti have been brilliant to the point that people are really excited about next season from their perspective already. So I've kind of looked at players who were sold, the teams who sold them got better and they maybe weren't so good for their next team. So I think uh, Mark Cucurella is on my list. I think Brighton were made to feel pretty good about it's selling him, given they it's got something one. like £70 million for him and then replaced them with someone someone better in Pervis Estepanan. Meanwhile, Cucurella has completely flopped at Chelsea. I actually quite liked Cucurella at Brighton, but I don't think you could ever argue he's been good for Chelsea this season. Um, Napoli is a weird one because... You could never say that like Lorenzo Insigne and Koulibaly and Dries Mertens weren't great for them. They're legends, Napoli legends. But the fact of the matter is they replaced them with Kvaradona and Kim min Jay, and then won the Scudetto for the first time in over three decades. So maybe Koulibaly in particular was a good departure for them. They pocketed a, a good amount of uh, money for him, replaced him with, uh, with Kim, who is now if he leaves he might actually leave this summer but if he doesn't then he's part of that team for a long time to come um so i think my my three p- picks are felix who guy mentions in, in his question and cucarella and Koulibaly. and the common thread linking them all chelsea signed all three <laughs> hey. and now i saw the report today that Koulibaly may be surplus to requirement may be allowed to leave or allowed to be sold it would be kind of hilarious if uh because kim is also kim and jai is also linked with every big club in Europe. And so if he were to leave for 70 million euros or pounds, and then Napoli brought Koulibaly back for like 10 million, I feel like that would be yeah. some beautiful business as well and some beautiful uh, uh, like circuitous logic, but it all worked out in the end. So the reason there's so much speculation around Kim is he has a 45 million euro release clause that ah. that is active until the end of June. And I think Manchester United are quite keen on activating that. So, so they're going to if Napoli can, activate can it July get to July 1st, 1st have to pay 80 yeah. million. Yeah, God. <laughs> 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 Wonderful stuff. Uh, Yao Cancelo, by the way, um, that might be a best departure on personal terms because he gets two winners medals yes, this he season. Does. Uh, and arguably wanted by neither team. Uh, that he's yeah, Pep's use... never going to speak to him yeah. again. <laughs> With all that said, Paul F. Tompkins has a joke uh, about how sometimes he's walking around and he just randomly is like, oh, I don't have to go to school anymore. And he gets really excited about never having to go to like any sort of class again. That's how I feel about Ronaldo not playing for Manchester United. I'm just like, oh, he doesn't play there anymore. Thank goodness. Okay. Neymar, though. Yeah. That's fine. <laughs> Whatever. Oh, that leads beautifully, Graham, into our next question. Thank you, Guy, for that one. Jacob Court has been in touch. Jacob says, I'm a Man United fan. Bully for you, Jacob. Upon seeing a rumour that Neymar could join United this summer, I screamed, no, out loud to my empty living room. What transfer or transfer rumour has ever made you have this same or similar reaction? For any teams, not just the ones you support. Graham, I come to you for your no reaction. So first of all, Neymar to Man United is such a bad idea, I can't actually believe that Ten Hag would entertain it. 
Um, <laughs> I definitely think Ed Woodward would have jumped at this one if he was still at Manchester United, but they seem to be a little bit more sensible now. So this smells like Neymar's agent trying to drum up interest in his player because I'm not convinced there's a lot of options out there for Neymar this summer. And actually, um, incidentally, Taylor and I will be doing a Soccer 101 on transfer speculation this week and how to kind of decipher what is legitimate and maybe what isn't legitimate and trying to read the tea leaves of whether it's an agent-fed story, as I believe this one maybe is. But in terms of which players have elicited that mental yelp from me, um, Victor Osiman being linked with Chelsea elicits that yelp because of the mess that Chelsea are in at the moment and also the number nine curse that has existed at that club, even predating uh, Todd Bowley. Chelsea don't have a great record with signing centre-forwards. I love watching Victor Osman play, and I just don't want to find out how Chelsea would destroy him this this summer. And to be fair, it's not necessarily an anti-Chelsea thing. Um, It's just I don't trust them with players at this specific moment. I used to have the same reflex reaction with with Manchester United, even as recently as last summer. Um, A couple others, Messi to Saudi Arabia is one that gives me that yelp because... um, well, Saudi Arabia, I guess. I'm, I'm sort of bracing myself for that one to happen because, you know, good things always become bad things eventually if there's one thing I've learned in, in life. I don't know if I can bring managers into this, but Pochettino going to P- PSG wasn't pleasing to me because I think everyone knew how that was going to turn out for him there. And I, I, I like Pochettino. He's a, he's a big cuddly teddy bear whose teams play good football and I wanted better for him. Then PSG, um, then actually to continue to the, the PSG theme finally, uh, last summer you had Renato Sanchez going there. That was very annoying to me. Fabian Ruiz, I've always been a fan of him and him going there was annoying as well. So yeah, PSG and, and Chelsea are my general themes here. <laughs> they are indeed. Uh, Taylor, uh, where, where did you go with this one? I think quite often I, my mind on this kind of question goes to Bayern Munich uh, inward transfers and rumours, particularly when they weaken their nearest rivals. Um, and often they come to pass, like Lewandowski being an example, when that came up and then it happened, I was like, oh, I don't like it when they keep doing things like that. The Death Star sucking another one in. But does that make you say like, no? Or do you have that same level it of makes me say exclamation? Nine. <laughs> <laughs> um... It, the, the, I found this one tricky, uh, mostly because I think uh, when I pay attention to rumors, a lot of the time it is in relation to the clubs I support. So the ones that like most clearly came to mind were Ronaldo returning to Manchester United for a number of reasons, some of which we've already gone over. And then fairly or unfairly, uh, Meron Fellaini uh, moving to Manchester United and that rumor, because that just felt like the age-old new manager moves to a bigger club and brings his favorite player with him because that's kind of what he knows how to do. And it felt in that moment like, ooh, this is not the way I thought this was going to go when Sir Alex Ferguson retires and in comes David Moyes, who then brings in Fellaini and nobody else. And I think they spent too much money to make that happen at the same time. All of that just felt like this is not building towards something good. And it wasn't. So I think that's probably unfair to Fellaini, who was a good player for Manchester United or a good enough player at the time. Uh, but I think he sort of became a victim of a lot of the frustration yeah. supporters had in that period of time and since that period of time. But I do think in the moment it felt like this is not a sign of good things. Also, because he was signed on deadline day and was kind of left until the very end of the window, mm-hmm. um, I'm kind of straining my memory here, but I think Moyes wanted, was it Tony Kroos in that window? That was his number one pick. Then he wanted Bale. Then he wanted Ronaldo. Yeah. And so there were all these elite level what? players. Tiago was in there too. Tiago What is the thread connecting those players? I don't understand. Like, how do you go from Tony Kroos to Gareth Bale to Ronaldo? <laughs> 
My word. <laughs> uh, no because chance. Real Madrid were like, no, but how about this guy? Pretty much is, is how I think that that, that went down, That's Joe. So bad. And then so United bad. just needed to do something. And I think that, Graham, is the other aspect of it, that United were just desperate to do something to yeah. show that, like, we're still he, Manchester United. Yes, Sir Alex Ferguson is gone, but we've still got the spending power. And then with that in mind, the idea that they were like, uh, Fellaini, for more yeah, money than he, he was, needed to be. It's just He was not the, the smash glass in case of emergency option, yes. and they left it until the right at the end. Yes. So the, the reflex reaction that until I remember from United fans was like, else. oh, now yeah. we're smashing the glass. Oh, <laughs> <Yes>. dear. <laughs> um, speaking of Manchester players, Taylor, one that's occurred to me is Carlos Tevez when he was rumoured away from Man City during his time at Man City. You remember there was the incident in the Champions League, was it against Bayern Munich, where he yeah. refused to come off the bench? And they punished him for a while and said, no, you're, you're going to rot in the reserves. You're going to see out the rest of your contract in the reserves. And there was a little world spite for me going, good, good, make him. You, you can't, you've got to punish him. You've got to punish him for that kind of behavior because it's completely unacceptable what he did. But then, then eventually they get this realization that we've got an asset that we need to move on here. So he eventually gets his way back into the team. I think it was Boca Juniors he was talking up. He wanted to go back to Boca Juniors, which he eventually did, I guess. Then he went to Juventus in the end. And just when he was getting those links, I was like, no, you said you were going to punish him and make him sit in the reserves, and you didn't. That was I, I found that slightly disappointing, but then it makes me sound a bit mean that I wanted him to rot in the reserves, but I don't know how I feel about it. Is this that. all because he, he still doesn't like England over the Falklands? Is that what this is about, Ryan? No, I, I don't get political. No, not me. <laughs> not you. Of course not. No. Of course not. No. <laughs> but uh, yeah, that that was a, a slightly odd example. Uh, Joe, any others to add to this list of uh, new rumors? So I think Graham, Ryan, and I share in the fact that like any players that are coming to our clubs just like aren't big enough for any transfer rumors for the most part. So Taylor's kind of on an island of of getting to say no to some players that are in his clubs. Um, the answer that I had, Graham said it already, is messy. Like I. I stay pretty neutral on the soccer side and I, I kind of enjoy when we see chaos and we see teams like Chelsea and PSG do bad things. So usually my reaction is like popcorn rather than yelling no into the void. But Messi to Saudi Arabia is not my favorite. I think it's just a miss for him not to go to any of the other places from a narrative perspective, right? Whether it's Barcelona, there's a great story there. Argentina, there's a great story there. Miami, I think would be great for soccer in the US, even though it's it's not like a solve for, for Major League Soccer. I prefer him to pretty much go anywhere else. So that's one. The other one that I thought of, I didn't have this before we started talking, but you mentioned managers, Ryan. Leeds United kind of doing everything that Leeds United did after Jesse Marsh was fired in that they just had no plan. Like it was so clear that they had no idea how to move forward or what the identity of the club was going from him to an interim manager. Of course, that's going to happen to Javi Gracia, who plays a very different style than Jesse Marsh. And then to Sam Allardyce, it's like by the time you hire Big Sam, you're just kind of throwing in the towel that, yeah, all right, we have no idea what we're doing. We know we're in trouble and we're hoping that Big Sam can fix it for us. And, and he couldn't, which I don't think was really ever a big surprise. So I, I would put Leeds business and how they've conducted themselves over the last six months or so or four months three months whatever it's been since marsh was fired it hasn't been as long as i think i put them on this list because i did get a soft spot for Leeds with all of the uh all the american influences at that club i think now they've kind of been run right down to the championship joe i'm gonna continue that thread for a moment not with Leeds, but with uh a man like managers and with uh, one that wasn't on my list until we started this conversation. I genuinely feel that way anytime a big name manager is linked with PSG. That it just it it doesn't seem like it's going to work. It hasn't worked for so many very high profile managers that every time there's a new one linked, 
And sometimes, somehow they end up going. It just feels like, no, what are you doing? Like, you know this isn't going to go well. There's so many things that you have to navigate. Why would you do this yourself? Yeah, I mean, that's the answer. But Jose Mourinho, we were talking about it before we started recording, feels like he could end up there. Uh, and, and that immediately, I think it was Graham who brought that up. And my immediate response is like, no, why? Why would you do that? So I think that is probably one as well. The PSG job seems like a really thankless task. All right. Thank you very much, Jacob, for that question. Let's take a quick break time. When we come back, a few more. Back shortly. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day, or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Total Soccer Show, welcome back. In the break there, Taylor Rockwell appeared to down an entire glass of Coke Zero. Uh, you feeling uh, <laughs> gassy right now, Taylor? Want to talk? I'm feeling, I'm feeling uh, just refreshed by our corporate sponsors. Uh, mm. uh, if we could get Coca-Cola as a sponsor, I'd be pumped. Do you know um, we call Coke Zero in Italy, Taylor? Cola Zero? Coca Zero. Coca mm-hmm. Zero, per favore. It's very nice. Yeah, uh, in, Turkey, in Turkey, it's Cola or Cola Zero. Uh, and so I, my wife and I still call it cola, and people sort of look at us like, what are you, like, are you generic cola people? What's wrong with you? But yeah, <laughs> RC they, only, RC yeah. only in the Rockwell household. Ryan, would oh, you yeah. also like me to open my tall boy of water? I can do that too. It's called liquid death, is it? Yeah, we've talked about it before. It's mostly because I don't like plastic, so I don't really love, oh, and now Siri has questions about Ryan made... Daddy turned different colors is what Siri just heard me say. That's troubling, Siri. <laughs> okay. All right, Siri. Calm down. Calm down, everybody. Let's yeah, get I don't back like plastic. To the... There we go. <laughs> Very nice. Well, enjoy your um, liquid death. I shall. Uh, we'll look into that a little bit more. In the meantime, Topoke has been in touch. If you created a squad of players from the three relegated English Premier League clubs, would the new team be talented enough to compete for a European spot in the Premier League? Thank you very much, says Topoke. Now, Taylor, this is... Uh, I'll come straight to you because uh, I want to see how that Coke Zero is sitting on you. Um, I would, He's going to talk um, like Rick from Rick and Morty yeah. for the rest of this episode. <laughs> <laughs> You've got some slime on your chin. Anyway, uh, Leicester, I imagine, would make up the bulk of this squad, would it not? Being the strongest of the squad, is that fair to say? Uh, you, are, you are correct. That is pretty much what I had. And I think this team would not be talented enough to compete not for a, a European spot in the Premier League because the attack... Quite good, as we see. Shocking that all three of these teams were in the relegation zone and none of them had particularly good defenders, which is the major drawback. I think also maybe goalkeeper as well. I struggled with that position. But you are looking at a strong Leicester sort of representation. I had Harvey Barnes. I had Jamie Vardy. I had James Madison as my sort of front three. Uh, Yuri Tielemans in there. Tyler Adams. uh, James Ward-Prowse rounding out the midfield. That's strong. You've got a lot of uh, good substitution options there. But then when it comes to the defense... I had Kyle Walker-Peters, I had Johnny Evans, I had Valt Face, maybe Chalar Soyonju, and Timothy Castagni. Again, 
a lot of Leicester in there with us had, had Elon Melier in goal, who I believe did not finish the season as the starter for Leeds. So that says something about the quality of goalkeeper we're yeah. also talking about. Yeah, all three of these teams, so Leicester, Southampton, and Leeds, the teams that went down, had dreadful goalkeeping this year. Like like a league average goalkeeper maybe could have kept, okay, maybe not Southampton, but maybe could have kept Leicester and Leeds up. Like that's that's how important the goalkeeper position is. And that's how bad the goalkeeping performances were for these teams for the majority of this season. I went with Daniel Iverson, 25-year-old Danish goalkeeper. Uh, solid this year. He was solid for Preston in the championship the last two years. He wasn't the he didn't get the lion's share of the minutes this season, but he was like sort of the best of a bad bunch. I've very similar attacking group. I, I went for Pat Sandaka over Jamie Vardy just because I think he's he's a, a better player at this point. But I have him. I have Jack Harrison on the wing. I have Harvey Varnes on the other wing. I have James Madison as my number 10. And then James Ward-Prowse and Yuri Tielemans as my two central midfielders in the double pivot, which I like. I like all those players. I think they're all good. Um, and then I've got Tyler Adams at right back. Taylor, don't worry. He's in the team. I had to fit him in somewhere. I've got Adams at right back. I've got Kyle Walker-Peters at left back. I was desperate. I'm really sorry. And then I have Soyuncu Chu and, and Voutfuss as the two center backs. It's just not a good team. Like, it's just not a team that's going to be good enough to finish top... Wait, what, what even are the European places with the European Conference League anymore? Seven? It's not, it's not a top 17. I'm not even sure the attack is top seven. Like, you look at this versus you know, a Newcastle or a Brighton, and it's like, the quality is just not quite there. It might be close to comparable for those front six players, but it it is not at a team-wide level. I think there's very much a a real reason why these teams were relegated. All right, that's fair. Uh, Taylor, did you object to the the, the central midfield there with JWP in there? What was your uh, beef? That Joe did not have Tyler Adams, which he then put it right back, which (laughs) I have to say, I don't really have any concise or clear way of putting it other than do not like. Do not like, Joe. Do not like. <laughs> Fair enough. Graham, where did you land? Uh, quickly, my team was Melier, Walker-Peters, Salasu, Fass, Castagna, Romeo Lavia. I don't think anyone else had him. I think he's going to get picked off by a Spurs or one of the big six teams. Uh, Ward-Prowse, James Madison, and then had Harvey Barnes and Wilfred Nonto as my wingers. And number nine, I really struggled with because obviously Vardy, in terms of what he's done in the Premier League, is the best. But didn't really play all that much this season. Is definitely aging now. Um, so I went with Rodrigo from Leeds. Wasn't very happy with that. I agree. I don't think this team competes for a European spot in in, in the Premier League. Counterpoint, though. I'm going to argue with myself here. Um, Leicester City were four points off finishing in the European spots last season. And that team is very similar to what it, the, the team that got relegated this season. So... Maybe it would. I don't know. I wow, mean, the Graham. only wow, the only is difference so- <laughs> is Casper Schmeichel that left. I think is the yeah. only player that that's the only difference. So, mm. yeah, Graham, how many points were they off European places this season? Uh, a lot, Taylor. <laughs> okay. A lot of points. Okay. Quite a lot more. <laughs> Just wanted to make fun. sure of that. Yeah. Okay, Graham, um, you could have had Shea Adams, by the way. No Shea Adams for you as your as your striker. I didn't think I could sell that one. I thought about Shea Adams, but I went, no, they're going to call me out on that. <laughs> and I I did have Romeo uh, Romeo Lavia in my shortlist it's just there are a number of very good midfield options because yeah, even if you don't Tyler yeah, Adams, the midfield's have, good yeah indeed is in there as well uh, for me so Joe I think it actually does make sense if you're going to do that to put Tyler Adams at right back for this team I'm well, still shocked well, that Timothy well. Castagne wasn't better <laughs> overall because I thought that was going to be a lights out perfect signing but here we are all right uh Taylor final question here who is the coach of this team you can have any of the fired or unfired relegating oh, coaches no. Big Sam wait Big Sam, how many Big are Sam? there <laughs> You know what? After being after being all in on Big Sam, 
I think I am out on Big Sam pretty fully. So we've got eight to choose from. Yeah. <laughs> I think, can I, I'll go Hasenhudel. Hasenhudel was there at the beginning of the season, right? Yeah, Hasenhutl, okay. Jones, and then Ruben Sellers. Yes. Then for Leeds, it's Marsh. This season has Garcia, been insane. Big Sam, and then it's Rogers and um, Dean Smith. I forgot who it was there. Yeah. Dean Smith. <laughs> I, yeah, I would. I would. My sympathies are with Marsh, uh, but I, I'm going to say Hasenhutl if I have to pick one. Uh, Graham, who would you pick? Uh, I don't want to pick him, but it's Brendan Rogers. <laughs> yeah. Hey, I thought you were going to say that. I would agree, uh, Joe. <laughs> Big Sam for the content, baby. Yeah, for the content. Yes. Good. Excellent. Excellent. <laughs> Europe, here we come. A hybrid team of relegated players. Thank you very much, Topoke. One final question here on our listener questions episode. This one comes from the TSS Food Podcast. All right. There's another spin off TTS and the Food Podcast, TFP, coming your way very soon. I quite enjoyed your recent podcast about which clubs were, in quotes, middle class fancy restaurants. What are some other restaurants? who have major club equivalents. Ooh, who wants to go first? Put your hands up. Can, I, can I make Taylor? a guess that Joe has one about Chelsea? I do. I do have one about yeah. Chelsea. I'll lead off with Good. that one. So I had a lot of fun with this question. I've got three answers. My first is Cheesecake Factory. They are oh, Chelsea. Yeah, I that too. I've got that too. <laughs> I'm not original. I'm not original. I'm just first, and that's all that matters in this case. You keep flipping through the menu... Page after page after page, player after player after player. And then you realize there's just not much there that you actually like. The menu's way too long. The squad's way too big. And you're just like, (laughs) maybe I should just go somewhere else. Maybe I should hop up to Brighton and whatever food they are and and enjoy eating there. That is the first on my list. Ryan is genuinely incensed right now and is maybe even speechless. They're the first answer that i No, he just tried to comprehend the menu and only got halfway through before he couldn't remember what was in the beginning and had to go back and start over. That's the face you're seeing. Which team were they the equivalent of, Joe? Chelsea. Okay. Yep. Right. Very good. Okay. All right. Sweet. Uh, Taco Bell, I have as Chivas USA. Now, I like Taco Bell. I want to be clear. Uh, but uh, they have some, some Mexican tie-ins. I think the execution is lacking, though, in certain areas, <laughs> and certainly was for Chivas USA during their time in Major League Soccer and just their time in existence, period. So I think there are some some pretty real tie-ins there. And my last one is it's Jack of those- the Box. It's one of those Taco Bell Pizza Hut hybrid ones where they, mm, they yes. neither one can support yes. itself on its own, so they blend them together. That, that's Chivas USA it's for like, me, what? yeah. Why did we do this? Yeah, I, I'm with you on that, Taylor. <laughs> I have Jack in the Box as Crystal Palace uh, for literally no other reason than they have a Jack in in the box and Jack Butland, who's not actually going to be a Crystal Palace <laughs> yes. player anytime soon. Yes. It sounds like he's going to Rangers, and so I know bad. he was on loan. Right. It's so bad. It's, it's so bad. Joe I know wins. he was on loan. Uh, but I've got Crystal Palace as Jack in the Box, and then that's going to transfer over to Rangers whenever he makes that move. Taylor's actually walked away, uh, but I, I think you actually win the podcast there. Congratulations, Joe. I like that thank a lot. You. Jack oh, in the Box. You. That was literal and brilliant. Um, but for the record, my Cheesecake Factory equivalent was Manchester City uh, because they've got more depth than anyone else out there. Big menu, big menu. And also, Joe, they're the best, but people don't like to admit that they like them. Cheesecake Factory, uh, Man City. There you go. Wow. Also... They're both the like the epitome of decadence with all the pillars and high ceilings, but none of it is real. And if you knock those pillars, they're plastic and completely hollow. Let's horrible. go. Oh, Let's go, Graham. Go. Get him. Get him, Graham. Going. <laughs> <laughs> uh, if you're interested, I've got a couple others. PSG, I have as In and Out Burger. Got a kind of cult following around the world of sorts. Uh, lots of great ingredients, but massively overrated. That's mm. my uh, one for PSG, mm. In and Out Burger. As, sorry, five. to interject, as a, as a Western, Southwestern U.S. guy, 
I like In and Out, but I, I agree it is overrated. I know it's a hot yeah. topic around burger circles, I'm, but Ryan, I think that's a good pick. It's good. Thanks. Like PSG is a good soccer team. They win a lot of games. In and Out mm. has value. You know, it's pretty inexpensive. Like there's good things about it, but it's not like the greatest thing ever. And, and PSG certainly aren't yeah. either. I think also both are just a brand. That's what a yeah. Kendall Jenner has definitely Instagrammed a picture of herself at In and Out, and she's literally done that at PSG. So there we go. There we go. Uh, my final one is super lame. Little Caesars is Roma because you know Caesar lived in Rome. <laughs> you were right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, that was lame. <laughs> Taylor, what was your cheesecake factory? Uh, the one I just came up with. Oh, my cheesecake factory was Chelsea, straight up, <laughs> uh, for very similar reasons to what what Joe said. Uh, based on what you all just said about In and Out, I'm going to say Bayern Munich is five guys because it's better than In and Out. Uh, always wins even when it's unimpressive because uh, I love me some five guys. Uh, Bayer Leverkusen sticking in Germany. I have. Uh, they're always competitive. They never make it into the top tier lineup. They're always good value. If unsexy, they're they're part of a corporate change uh, chain because of buyer. I'm going to say they're Jersey Mike's, which is my favorite sub place there is, but of like the chain sub restaurants. I love me some Jersey Mike's and Bayern Munich or Bayer Leverkusen rather, uh, good quality. And then PSG, expensive, very fancy, star centric appeal. Ultimately, not good. Any of Salt Bay's restaurants is what PSG. Oh, that's, <laughs> oh, that's, that's a good nice. pick. I like that. Yeah, that's uh, good. Jersey Mike subs over public subs uh, sidebar. Uh, yes, sir. Okay. Excellent. Graham, your, your picks? I've never even heard of Jersey Mike subs. I have heard of public subs. They are good. Yeah. Uh, Nando's is Wolves. Graham's weird loyalty to, to Florida continues to surprise me. It, <laughs> it doesn't because it's like the, the place you go every every other year, I guess, and, and, and you do some full Disney attire, but still, Graham. Did you say go. 21 times? Yep, I'm going next year as well. Wow. <laughs> 22. Graham, there are other places. You know, like there's 49 other states as well that I think... You know, maybe there are other Disney the theme parks as well. You don't have to <laughs> I've go been to, to those too. <laughs> <laughs> I only go to other American cities if I can have brunch with Big Don Garber. So um, yeah, that limits my choices. Oh, right. Yeah, Nando's is, is wolves because you're made to feel like you're in Portugal, but actually you're just in the, the West Midlands. Nice. Also, lots of different dishes that somehow all feel like the same dish, just like wolves have lots of players who somehow feel like the same player. Are we really sure that Daniel Podence and Pedro Neto are different people? No. I am really not sure, and I have the same suspicions about the wraps and the pita breads at, at, at Nando's. They are just the same thing. Um, I have. I went in a different direction for PSGs. Uh, Taylor, you went with what was it, Salt Bay's restaurants? Yeah, is that correct? I went with uh, Dave and Buster's because nobody's going there for food, just like nobody goes to PSG for the football. And I bet they've got poker machines at Dave and Buster's, and Neymar will be happy about that. And then finally, Hooters is DC United. Fun about twenty years ago, unacceptable now. But Wayne Rooney still seems to like it. <laughs> uh, one one final one for me. Uh, Papa John's would be Manchester City because yuck. <laughs> <laughs> Very good. Very good. Uh, oh, those are so good. In, uh, wow. The, the team from Milton Keynes there as well, if you like. Oh, yeah, that's fine. Thank you very oh, much. All right, we have fun here. Uh, let's not, let us know if you have any uh, restaurant equivalents of major clubs. In fact, why don't you join our Patreon and have a, uh, have a little go on the Discord? We'll continue the conversation there. But for now, Taylor Rockwell, um, standing evasion to you for your performance, uh, despite the Coke Zero break you took. Well done. <laughs> I like that you've just manufactured I took a break, but thank you, my friend. I appreciate it. I don't. I mean, you, just, you, you drunk the Coke with tremendous speed, I would say. Uh, and yeah. I'm impressed. I, I ain't got, I ain't got time to mess around, man. I, yeah. I got, I got uh, 
restaurants to compare to other clubs and such. It's important work we're doing here. <laughs> we are. We're doing the Lord's work. You're, you're quite right, Taylor. Graham, thank you very much for your contributions. And we look forward to you coming to Florida for the 22nd time. <laughs> thank you, Ryan Bailey. And Joe Lowry, a pleasure as always, my good man. Although I don't like your Cheesecake Factory opinions. Yeah, I don't like yours either, but we'll still be friends anyway. <laughs> Yay! Let's get some Oreo slices one day, Joe. Listener, thank you very much for joining us on this one. What? We'll be back on the feed. Very <laughs> Cheesecake Factory, cheesecake. It's the best one, the Oreo one. Come Actually, on. I am down for that. The cheesecake yeah. part of Cheesecake Factory is is the redeeming part yeah, of it, for sure. And the bread. He's That's back it. in. He's yeah. back in. I'm in. Listener. I'm in, baby. I <laughs> hope you're in too, listener. Thank you for joining us back on the feed shortly. But for now, bye.